calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this. day happy day happy flow recording day i feel like a bit of a fraud saying aloha so we'll just say happy hopefully cool day everyone is having welcome 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 to the flow i am katie fox your director of marketing here at ecam and today we're hanging out with luis mr camera junkie hello <laughs> <laughs> which is perfect because we didn't get around last week to talking about cameras. We covered all of the other gear. So if you're looking for what kind of gear you need to have or want to have for launching or running a successful podcast, last week's episode is your episode to check out, but we didn't get to cameras. So that's what we're going to cover today. We're going to ask Louise all of the camera questions. So if you're hanging out in the live studio audience, hi, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us and definitely drop in your questions throughout this episode because we can pull right from that and be able to ask Louise here while we're hanging out and really, I mean, video podcasting, live streaming, recording videos, it's all going to use generally the same cameras. So feel free to drop those questions in. Normally, we're very podcast specific, as Paul likes to say, but this one is a little bit of a broader topic. So yeah, I'm excited. Luis, are you excited? We're going to make you answer all the questions. Actually, I am excited. And that's a whole nother thing. Like, please make sure to drop your questions because we all have our own setups. But to get the most out of this, I think we're going to need to answer what problems or issues you're coming across. All right. Well, while we're waiting for some questions to come through, I have a ton of my own, but I posted earlier today. So for anyone who's like, oh, cameras, it's a big topic. I'll say from my own experience, when I first started at Ecamm, I honestly was just using, don't come at me, don't come at I was just using my built-in 
camera on my then MacBook Pro. And Ken gave me a really great pro tip. He was like, you, you touch that all the time because you're opening and closing your laptop. So if you're using the built-in camera, don't feel bad. That's an okay starting point. You can actually just remember every time that you use it to take, you know, either your shirt or, you know, a camera wipe or something. Just, yeah, there you go. Luis is showing one yeah, on camera. microfiber but cloth. Microfiber cloth. And just clean it because the difference actually was pretty staggering. So I started there. So if you're starting there, totally okay. You're in a safe spot here. Uh, and then I moved from that to my Nikon D60, which is a camera that I've had for years. It's like kind of my photography play around camera. But I was able to just connect it in with a USB cable. It worked great in Ecamm, and I was able to use that for a couple of years. Then I upgraded to the Sony ZV-E10 when everyone was like, Sony ZV-E10, we all need that camera, a mirrorless camera. Still an amazing camera we use here often in the office. But a couple of months ago, I guess, I was at NAB with Doc, and I got suckered into, I impulse bought myself, one of the Insta360 Link cameras, which is a really tiny camera. It has uh, tracking ability. It's a 4K camera. And that's, that's like my go-to right now, at least in my home studio space, because it's really small and I have a really tiny room. I have a pretty small desk. I use my desk for things other than live streaming and podcasting. So that's my go-to. And I've brought actually all of my bigger equipment here into the studio space or into the office space. So I've gone on kind of this progression as I've been trying to figure out what works best. I'm probably going to keep progressing as I go or making changes and edits. And obviously, people are saying here in the comments, you know, uh, ordering things on Prime Day or when things are on sale is also a really great way to try things out. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, let's let's I guess start with Luis. If you're brand brand new and you're just starting out, and maybe you want maybe you want to try one step up from what's built in. What's a good starter? camera for video podcasting or live streaming or video production? Well, the first thing that I would like to iterate or to get out there is to basically think of your situation first, not basically mm -hmm. what's the latest and greatest, but kind of reverse <laughs> engineer what yeah. you're trying to get out of it. So if you're coming at it from the space that I want to upgrade my built-in laptop webcam, then the first step that you can take to get a higher quality image is using a program like Camo and utilizing uh -huh. your cell phone, yeah. or maybe like some of us have like a spare cell phone from mm -hmm. our previous yep. upgrades that it's sitting there as a perfectly capable device, but it's not your everyday daily driver as far as a phone. The reason yep. why I recommend that is because you could be in the middle of a conversation or an interview and your phone might receive a message or try to connect to something else that yeah. could be an issue. But we do have programs like Camo that kind of utilize the phone to be your webcam at that moment. But at that same time, you're not going to receive messages if they are important. That's why I would recommend to use like a <laughs> secondary phone that probably doesn't even have a service applied to it and could be yeah. easily connected to your computer to give you a much higher quality of image when it comes to your production. Yeah. And that's actually, it's a really good point too that. So I always have my, I'm using my regular phone, although I'm pretty good about using, do you know, disturb D&D when I go into kind of my live streaming or podcasting space. 
But it's really good to have on hand because, and we've talked about this a lot in a lot of our shows, live happens, errors happen, you know, whether you're recording your podcast or you're streaming it like what we're doing here, you know, something might happen with your camera The maybe you forgot to plug it in and the battery dies. Maybe, you know, there's some sort of failure, you have a faulty cable. It's really nice having a phone as a backup and we all have phones, right? Like mm -hmm. we all have them. So being able to connect it really quickly and easily as either a secondary camera or as just a backup in case anything happens is just smart. And is something that, again, many of us have either an older phone, as Luis was saying, an iPad, you know, one of the ones that have a little bit of a better camera quality, or just your phone that you're using every day, if you can, rem if you can remember to turn on that do not disturb, so that you don't get that error or message that messages that come through. But yeah, you can use camo, C-A-M-O, camo is an amazing tool. There's one called shoot, shoot clean camera feed. That's a great one. And now if you're in the Apple ecosystem, like many of us are, you can use a continuity camera as well to be able to connect really easily and quickly. And the quality is great. I agree. I think it's like a really nice, like, I would say budget option because most of us already have that. So, exactly. and if you are going to move past that into some of these other cameras, hang on to it because having a backup or a secondary camera is a really, really great way to go for a number of different reasons, for sure. Yeah. And then the next step from that would be stepping away from your phone, right? From your do it all device and have mm -hmm. more of a dedicated webcam, like the one that you just mentioned, that Insta360 yeah. link. Mm -hmm. And those can be used with a laptop or with a desktop. Mm -hmm. That one in particular has just one simple connection, a USB-C to USB-C. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you connect it, the computer understands it as a webcam. Ecamm yep. is now able to utilize it, and that gives you a 4K image, something that's very compact, but it's an, an additional piece of hardware that you can add to your setup to help you produce the best quality while you're either on the road or in a studio. Because you gave a great example. You mm -hmm. are bouncing back and forth from your home studio and like yep. the main studio at Ecamm. So you have that difference between what you're trying to get out of it. And that's the first thing that I mentioned. You're going to want yeah. to reverse engineer your needs. You're going to say, I, I want a better <laughs> image or something like that and see what you want and work your way backwards from there. Because yeah, one thing that I am going to warn is that as a camera junkie myself, <laughs> we all like the latest and greatest stuff, right? But if you get the latest and greatest, most expensive high-end camera that does everything, yet you're just starting out, you're paying for a lot of features that you're not going to use because exactly. you have no idea what they're used for. So if you can afford it, that's great. But sometimes it's better to take those steps as far as like the learning curve. Like Ms. Diana says, too many learning curves leads to a circle and you just be spinning around. <laughs> So true. She's got the best got yes. the best statements. If you don't know Diana Gladney, please look her up. She's got a new book out called One Right Video that's absolutely incredible. And her YouTube channel just has a ton of really helpful information all about this whole space. So, you know, live streaming, video production, video recording, cameras, everything in between. She is a, a wonder with all those statements. So yeah, again, the, you know, the Insta360 link, they make a lot of cameras, including a 360 camera. That's why the company is called Insta360. But the link is the one specifically that is a webcam, a really powerful 4K webcam. It's small, 
There are a couple of others out there in the space as well that are worth noting. So there is the Ozbot, O-S-B-O-T. They make one called the Tiny that is actually smaller than the Link. It's an incredible camera as well. We tested that one out. Works really, really well. And then there are like Elgato has uh, their face cam, which is a pretty solid, pretty affordable kind of starter webcam that is great for anyone. It's a little bit bigger um, and it doesn't have that tracking ability. So it depends on, again, what your needs are there. One thing I'll say, Luis, and I'm interested, it took me way too long probably to do this correctly. (laughs) But one thing that you absolutely have to do, since Doc's in the comments, he can can appreciate I finally listened to him. (laughs) You need to check if these webcams in particular, and it's the same with a lot of the USB microphones as well, many of them have companion apps. Even though we're all Ecamm users and we're like, oh, you know, I can control my camera settings in Ecamm, you are going to want to actually have those companion apps for the webcams that you buy. Because a lot of the time, you know, it'll come into Ecamm and you'll be like, oh, that camera quality doesn't look like as promised or, you know, it looks a little funky. It looks that way because you don't have their app open. You need to make a couple of adjustments based on what your lighting is in the space that you're in, like how far away you are from your camera. All all of those details that go into what the camera picture and the camera quality looks like. It's not just the quality of the camera, it's the room you're in, the light, you know, all these other details. So for the Insta360 link, I have that app open. I don't keep it open all the time. Like I have it open while I'm kind of setting up and making sure because I don't make a lot of changes to my room or my space. But yeah, it's a good, I think a good reminder. And I know that like when I first started using the Elgato face cam, I was like, what is wrong with this camera picture? This is not a good camera. Set it aside that I was like, oh, it's like actually my lighting, like my light, the settings had gotten changed. My light was different. And then when I went into the app and started tweaking things, I was like, oh, the picture looks great. I'm just having that app open is really helpful. So pro tips from a a (laughs) non-pro. Yeah, that's a great point because a lot of times that we don't get that quality that we want as is promised from the box when we purchase these uh, cameras. And a lot of times those exposure settings and the things that are missing could be easily found within those companion apps. For old computer users using Windows, a lot of hardware and software still needed drivers, right? Particular drivers to connect to that device. So that's the same way as I see all these companion apps needing that to make sure that it's communicating correctly so you can get the most from your equipment. Yeah. And I, I think it's worth also noting, and we said this on the, the last episode, that cameras, the camera picture that you're getting, all of your favorite people who have like these incredible studios and have this amazing picture quality, some of that is the camera. A lot of that is the positioning, the lighting, how far away the camera is from them, a lens. There's, you know, there are a lot of kind of camera adjacent (laughs) topics and gear that go into getting a really great shot. So you can do a lot with a quote unquote cheaper camera if you're really good at lighting (laughs) and you're really good at positioning and evoking a mood, right? Whereas you could have a really expensive camera and not have it set up correctly and have terrible lighting in your room and then your camera quality is still going to look bad. So these things all kind of work together in tangent. So it's really important to keep that in mind. Yep. That's why the saying has always been lights, camera, action. And in that <laughs> order, lights are first. So true. Because without yeah. the visuals, you know, not only can you not see what you're doing, 
but neither can your camera. So light yeah, camera exactly. action in that order. I love that. I totally, I totally forgot about that, but that's a really good point. All right. And so that's the base level, right? So you start with maybe a built-in, you're moving up to your phone, you're keeping that as a backup or an iPad into the webcam. So let's talk mirrorless cameras. I would say it's probably like 99% that are mirrorless these days versus the, the DSLR that I was rocking <laughs> back when I first got started. So how do you approach uh, you know, thinking through, okay, you really want to step up to having a mirrorless camera? How do you think through those decisions as far as uh, brand and what model to get and those kinds of things? I love this because when you say like <laughs> with brand and model, I break all those barriers down and be like, once again, you have to reverse engineer what it is yep. that you want. So to give a good example, when I decided to upgrade my camera, um, I was using at that time the A6000 from Sony. Mm -hmm. And it had amazing autofocus and it was doing everything that I wanted except 4K. So the one upgrade that I wanted for my setup was to actually broadcast a 4K image to match all the good audio and everything else that I had done. So that was my main goal. And then I started to see which cameras available on the market had that feature. And around that same time was when Sony then released the successor to the 6000, which was the A6100, that had that feature that was available on previous cameras, but not the model that I had. So for okay, that yeah. reason, I decided to stay within that same ecosystem because I already had lenses and everything else built around it. And this camera yep. had that one feature that I wanted. Right now, I'm once again in the market for finding the new upgrade for the new features that I want, but I've been using that camera since 2019, so I got a good four years out of the 4K image that I wanted and utilizing mm -hmm. it that way. But that's why I say yeah. it really depends, and it doesn't matter the brand. It really matters what you want to get out of it. So if I were yeah. to be using Canon at that time, because I might have already had Canon lenses and I'm in that ecosystem, I will be looking to get those same type of specs to reverse engineer within the Canon universe, so to speak, and to see what was available for me to upgrade in that path. And that's where I really think that you have to think first of what you have already and what you could be jumping into as far as your upgrade path. But if you're at a point where you're coming from a simple webcam and now you're trying to get into a mirrorless system, then mm. kind of the world is your oyster because <laughs> it's kind of hard to pick a bad camera at the moment. And as a yeah. camera enthusiast, we used to make fun of certain camera companies because lacking <laughs> of certain features and, you know, all in jest having fun, like, Panasonic yeah. can't autofocus, you know, and Canons are overheating. But at the same time, right now where we're at, those prior issues are not even. Like Panasonic's latest version of cameras are now using that phase detect autofocus. So it's no longer having the issues that it had in the past. And just like every other company that's had overheating issues, Canon has learned from their mistakes and their new cameras are doing a lot better. So once again, right now, 
the world is your oyster when it comes to these <laughs> cameras. So the next thing that you would have to look at is what is your budget? Yeah. Like how much do you want to spend? And when it comes to the interwebs and the conversation that we have, a lot of people for some reason or another have like this arbitrary number of like five hundred dollars is a good <laughs> so budget. True. For I was cameras. like, my budget is five hundred dollars. Yeah. Exactly. Like exactly. anything more than that, be like, no, why? That's so expensive. Be like, it's twenty five, it's five twenty five. No, no, five hundred. It has to be. Yeah. With that in mind, that's the next step that I look into, try to see what can you get for five hundred dollars. Now, yeah. In the Sony camp, we have a certain line of cameras, which is called the ZV line. Now, they mm -hmm. have a point-and-shoot type of style where some of these cameras in the line already have fixed lenses in them. Yeah. And as soon as you purchase the camera, you have everything that you need to start recording. And in the mirrorless world, that is an interchangeable lens system, meaning that on top of the camera, you're going to have to buy lenses to get the look that you want as well. So that is part of the budget that you have to think about. I think what you said there is super important for everyone, whether you're newer to this or you've been doing it for a little bit here, that you do really buy into a system. And it may not be wise to get one of the, you know, there are cameras in the mirrorless world from I think every, every one of the manufacturers that don't have the ability to swap out lenses. And so even though those cameras may be a bit more affordable than one with a lens where you have to buy, you know, a lens or multiple lenses, it's also going to lock you into that distance, right? That like, focal that's length. what all the, yeah, the focal length, right? Is all that you're going to get out of that camera, which may be fine for what you need, but that may not allow you to have as much flexibility or options as if you were getting a camera that had one of the e-lenses in it so that you could be able to swap it out or make changes. And yeah, and it does, you know, as you're buying that first camera, if the first one that you bought is a Sony, for example, you don't really want to be switching back and forth between, you know, Sony and Nikon and Panasonic, because you're going to invest in all of those different lenses, and the ability to swap those between maybe even multiple cameras, or upgrade, you know, a camera and, you know, sell the just the camera body without a lens at a later point, you have more flexibility and opportunities if you're staying in that space. So I would say, the mass majority of people who are looking to level up probably do want to get a camera that has the ability to change those lenses and make sure that you understand what lens you are starting off with. And is that the one that's going to work best? Like many people want that bokeh effect or want, you know, want a certain look and feel like is the lens that you're getting and is the camera that you're getting going to actually accomplish that? Or are you going to need to invest further down the road to be able to get all the way there? So... Yeah, yep. a really, really good call out to remember. It's not just like one piece of gear you're getting. You're, you're almost future-proofing yourself in a, a little bit down the road to be thinking through like, is this the system that you want to buy into? Is this, what are your plans for down the road? Are you going to use it for like what I was doing? I mean, are you going to use this camera for like photography and on location video shooting as well as your, you know, live streaming or podcasting camera? If that's the case, there may be other factors that go into it. We as a family bought that Nikon originally because my husband has like bigger hands than me. And at the time, the like the Sony and the Canon were so small to hold that they were like, it was uncomfortable for him to hold and to actually use. So like the actual feel of the camera mattered to him at that point. And that was, you know, one a big factor in making the decision to start in the world of Nikon. And then obviously I made the change over into into Sony for a number of different reasons. 
but those all of those factors were considered, right? Like, is this a multi-use camera? Is this something you're only using for your podcast or for your video production? All of that matters and lenses matter as well too. So yeah, all really important yeah. things. Well, to clarify a little bit more on that same exact thing has to do with that system. So for example, the ZVE line that I mentioned that has the fixed lenses, one of the cameras has a fixed wide angle lens and another mm-hmm. one has a zoom that gives you a little bit more variety. But mm-hmm. the features that are built into the camera are going to be stuck with the camera, and so are the lenses. So now, mm-hmm. referencing my transition from the 6000 to the 6100 is the prime example of why you might want to look into an interchangeable lens system. Because I had the A6000, Having the interchangeable lenses allowed me to just change the camera body. I had everything else around it, including, you know, what we use for a lot of these productions, which is called the dummy battery, which is Mm -hmm. just a plugged in little empty hollow shell of a battery that goes into your camera Mm -hmm. to power it up indefinitely. And that setup, including the HDMI the cage that I have for my setup and the lenses and everything was already set up so that the only thing that I needed to do was upgrade the body and get all of those new features that I was missing out on being the 4K. Yeah. Now with the fixed lens series of cameras, whether it's Sony or Canon or anything like that, when the technology inside of the camera gets a bit outdated and you want to upgrade, Now you're also forced to upgrade lens, camera, and the whole thing because it's a single package. Yeah, it's something that like, I don't think was top of mind while I was making decisions. But the more that I get into it, the more I realize that like, oh, yeah, it it is pretty limiting. So for what we're doing anyway, maybe it's not as limiting for other use cases. But for podcasting and live streaming and video production, it's a really fast paced changing space and not being able to make some of those changes. I feel like you run the risk of it getting outdated really quickly and that that's never a fun place to be in. So uh, we have some really great questions coming in. So we have this one here from Tawana asks, I'm using a Sony a6400, the CalDigit, the Apple Mini M1 and the Rode Procaster 2, as well as Ecamm. I do a lot of Zoom and live streams to Facebook, but I notice that my camera is flickering a lot. Ooh, a flickering issue. Have you heard of that kind of thing before? We might not be able to super live troubleshoot here. I <laughs> put Luis on the, on the spot. But I can yeah. give you some, some pointers to see what could be causing that issue. Now, one of Looks the like things Doc's that, helping too. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Doc. Exactly. One of the things that usually causes that issues is non-video lights. If you're using mm. just standard household light bulbs, and a lot of times we switch to these LED light bulbs because they're more, you know, efficient. Efficient. Yeah. A lot of them, the way that they work is through hertz and frequencies. So it's basically like a continuously turning on and off of the light bulb that is happening so fast that you and the perception of your human eye only sees it as a solid light. But the cameras that are running at such high speeds, they tend to catch those lines of turning on and off, which cause what we call flickering or known as banding. That banding could be controlled by your shutter speed. So if you have the camera set to auto and you just allow it to do the exposure, it might increase your shutter speed to a point that it 
displays all of those lines and banding flickering within mm -hmm. your shot. That's when you might need to go into your manual mode in the camera and, you know, research a little bit on getting the correct shutter speed or shutter angle for your shot. Trying to be a little nerdy, right? But trying to get it, the information out as best as possible. No, that's great. What you're going to be looking at is to double your your recording speed. So if you're shooting at 30 frames per second, what you're going to want to set your camera up to is 1 60th of a second. So you want kind of like the doubling of the shutter speed towards your output so that you can get the most realistic and natural looking image and should eliminate what we call that flickering. And once you have that down and correct the exposure, that should be able to take care of that. If it doesn't, then that might lead to replace those lights that are flickering with dedicated video lights that are designed to not show that up in camera. Yeah, that's super good feedback. So much of this, everyone, like really comes down to photography one-on-one -on -one basics. So if we could convince you of anything at the yeah. end of this episode, whether it's reading or, you know, find a series of video videos on YouTube or like a Skillshare course, but understanding kind of the basic principles of photography will get you really far in getting a really great shot, much more so than just going out and spending a ton of money on a really expensive camera. So because mm -hmm. all it's going to get you is more expensive bandy. <laughs> exactly. <So>. exactly. <laughs> Another thing about that is that you know what? I started laughing and I forgot what I was, what was the point. <laughs> you know, we're having so much fun here. So on with the next uh, question. <laughs> on with the next question. So Kali says, speaking of lights, camera, action. Oh, she's asking, okay, for us in general, would you consider doing a show on lighting? Yeah, I think we, you know, we should probably do kind of a follow-up on lighting. We do have a great video that Marshall Fox put together a couple of years ago now, but it's still really helpful, relevant information all about like the different kinds of lights, where to position them you know, how to go about buying lights. So there, there are a lot of those kinds of things out there, but we could certainly do an episode on that as well. And it is really important. Like what Luis just said, I think is something that many of us don't realize. There is 100% a difference between studio lighting, like video lights and like the lights that you buy for your home or office space. So it, it does make a really big difference. Maybe you'll be fine most of the time until you're not. So it's worth understanding the difference between all of those different lights. We have the honest accomplice. Dan is hanging out with us. Hey, Dan. Dan asks, with the amount of filters being used during the editing process, how important is getting the right lenses? That's a great question. I think that's very important because going back, touching on the photography aspects of video, the thing that you're trying to get most is correct exposure. So you're trying to get the correct lighting. A lot of people think that the camera is what does all of the work, right? Doing photography, you take a good image and people be like, that's a great camera. Be like, yeah. But one of my models is always that the optics are more important than the camera bodies mm -hmm. because what's allowing the light to hit the sensor is the lens. And the quality of glass that you put in front of sensor is going to be what's going to determine the quality of your final image. Getting correct exposure and having good glass that gives you that ability to get the highest quality image is very important 
but filters, you know, and taking it into this aspect can still be very important because of proper exposure. And that is key because when it comes to the files that we're dealing with, whether it's recorded on an SD card or being used through eCAM directly as a webcam, the amount of light is almost like finite that the sensor could actually interpret. So if it reaches a point where we call clipping, meaning the highlights have gotten way too bright, there's no information that the sensor could actually like retain and it just blanks mm. that out. So even if you were to try to fix that in post and try to bring down the highlights because it might be too bright, there's no information that the sensor was actually able to recover and see beyond it because it felt like, for example, like when you leave a movie theater and go out into the mm -hmm. sunlight that <laughs> your eyes know. need that time to adjust <laughs> and you absolutely yeah. can't see anything. That's the same thing that happens to your camera sensor, but it's doing that for the entirety of the recording. Anything that's clipped in those highlights, it will just be like that, like it just left the movie theater because it can't see past the light. And that's why the exposure is the most thing, because let's say it's a little dark, but if the information is correct in post-production, you have the ability to brighten that back up to mm -hmm. brighten up the information that was there. But if it's clipped, it's beyond repair. Yeah. And I mean, I, like there is obviously a lot you can do in that kind of post-production editing phase. But the goal, I would imagine for all of us is to limit the amount of time spent doing that, especially cleaning up files. So if it's at all possible to get it right the first time, that is the goal for all of us to have like as good a feed as you possibly can. And some of it is there are lots of things again, that, that go into it that are beyond the camera too. Like, so a really great question there on lenses. Yeah, there's um, a content creator named Raphael Ludwig. He's mm -hmm. an amazing content creator. And his quote is fix it in camera and finesse it in post. <laughs> which is Ooh, such an amazing that's way one. of looking at it, which is get the specs as best as possible in camera. And it's going to save you hours in post-production because you only have to fine tune it instead of try to rebuild something that you don't have. Yeah. Uh, so much of that too, again, like can be really easy to forget when you get comfortable with like how shots and like how your space is looking and feeling. So we do for those of you who don't attend often all of the ecam stuff, we do a monthly Q&A with our co-founders. And so there are two of them, but they're here in the same space that I'm in. The mass majority of the time, it's me by myself at this desk, and it's like a close-up shot. And the way that our camera is set up and the lens that we're using is actually really much more set for that to be successful versus like the like wider angle that we need for Ken and Glenn. So we, you know, we've been thinking a lot more about it probably doesn't make sense for them to just be stepping into this space. We should set up, you know, a different space for them with a different camera and a different lens and settings because, you know, here we are, we're like trying to like move the camera back or like, you know, when I'm at the desk, we're trying to like zoom it way in, but you're affecting the quality of the picture when you're doing that. And sometimes it's fine, like, you know, but sometimes if you zoom way too in, you know, or you have the camera positioned and you're zooming way too in on eCam, for example, instead of on the camera, you can lose some of that picture quality. So it's just really important to remember that what is the perfect shot that you're going for? And, you know, do you have that shot set up correctly? Or again, are you trying to make use of what you have? And maybe you're 
wrecking a bit of the quality as a result of it. So um, zooming in and out is so easy, but it can, it's maybe not often the best thing to do at all times. Yeah, and that's a great point because that's the advantages of the interchangeable lens system. Because yep. if you do have a variety of different shots that you're trying to achieve, you can mm. do that with a variety of different lenses because yep. you will lose quality when you zoom into an image. Like yep. 4K is for like the entirety of the image, but the tighter you zoom in, the more pixels and quality you're losing automatically. And that's in yep. any program, whether it's zooming in on Ecamm or zooming in in your Final Cut Pro or your Premiere Pro editor, that zooming in effect is always going to lose quality. But if you have the ability to interchange the lenses to give you that zoomed in effect or that telescopic focal length, once you have that, then you're going to get the highest quality 4K with all of mm -hmm. that zoomed in feature added to it. All right. So we covered different kinds of cameras. We covered lenses and systems, a little bit on lighting. What else are we missing, Luis? I think we were also touching about filters, right? Because mm -hmm. Dan had asked about the filters being used during the editing process. But mm -hmm. there are filters that you use during the recording process, mm -hmm. which is what I wanted to better explain. And yeah, that's what sure. we call neutral density filters or ND filters. And those are basically like sunglasses. And just like mm -hmm. I referenced once again, like you leave that movie theater and you're like, oh, put on the shades. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what you would need to do to keep your shutter speed from being way too high so that you could avoid what we also talked about before, which was the lines in the image. So to avoid the line skipping, you would need to get the appropriate shutter speed so that you can get that corrected so that you don't see the lines. But a lot of times, if you're shooting outdoors with all the sunlight to get the shutter speed down to the point where it won't show that flickering in the lines also ends up creating an overexposure because the fact that you have controlled your shutter speed to remove the banding is good, but that shutter speed now is overexposing your image is why you would need to start putting these ND filters on your lenses to get the correct exposure, which is like adding those sunglasses so that you can get the information behind it, but also be shooting at the correct shutter speed so that you don't get any banding. And that's the use of filters on your camera while you're recording. And that's before the post-production process. Yeah. And then there's also things like, I guess this isn't really a filter, but there are things that you can do within like camera settings and LUTs, for example. So there are ways to kind of get a look and a feel and a vibe that really matches what your branding and what your show, and what your content is. We have some people who really prefer like a little bit more of a, a darker kind of more saturated look versus those who want like a really cleaner, brighter look. Some of that is accomplished with lighting or, or set like your kind of overall design of your space. And then some of that is accomplished through LUTs or through any of those kind of camera settings and kind of tweaking and messing around with that, whether that's in the camera itself or in a tool like Ecamm. Yeah. Awesome. I think that just about covers it. We're like almost at the end. Is there anything else that we're missing, Louise? Well, there's a lot of things that we're missing. <laughs> yeah, when it comes there's to a huge this, category. <laughs> there's so many things. So another thing that I want to touch on when it comes to the differences of these cameras is 
I really emphasize on reverse engineering your needs because mm. I had mentioned before that webcam that you have, the Insta360 link or that Ozbot, yep. these are connected directly via USB to your computer mm -hmm. and the computer does everything else. When it comes yep. to connecting all of these other types of cameras, like mm -hmm. the A6100, and when you start getting into the higher end cameras, the newer ones right now are having the capability of connecting directly via USB from the camera yep. to your computer and then them acting like a webcam just like the rest. And that mm -hmm. shoots power over the wire and it gives you audio and visual. But because mm -hmm. you're asking the USB-C to do all of those tasks at the same time, the quality of your image might be degraded so that it can do it mm. all successfully instead yep. of giving you the utmost quality that the camera can provide. For example, that I wanted to get to that 4K imagery, I mm -hmm. also needed to apply a video capture card. Now, the one that I'm using is the Camlink 4K, mm -hmm. and I've had it for quite a few years now. But there's newer products that are hitting the market, like the new Streamer X from Rode that has mm -hmm. a you know 4K capture card that can receive that image. Oh, you got it right there. <laughs> I got it right here. See, and that will then be your video capture card. But just keep yep. that in mind that if you want to get the highest quality, then you're going to need to provide both the feed to power up the camera so that it's on indefinitely, whether it be a dummy yep. battery or using a trickle charge through a USB connection, and yep. then also have the separate outgoing signal from the HDMI of your camera to one of these high-end capture cards so that you can get all of the bits and all of the camera feed in all its glory. Yeah, if I've learned one thing over the past few years is that the cables matter, the quality of the cables matter, and buying things directly from the manufacturer does make a big difference when it comes to things like cables and dummy batteries and all of those kinds of things. So you don't want to spend a thousand dollars on a really a fantastic camera and then buy an amazon basics dummy battery for ten dollars and have something go horribly wrong like find the good quality the same brand as what your camera is if you're able to extras that you're going to add on because there's nothing worse than than something like that destroying your camera or having like a really serious issue as a result and yeah. same thing with cables like uh, having backup cables so many of these like pain points you're like oh you know i just spent all this money on this camera and it's not working. It's often not the camera. It's that you cheaped out on a cable or, you know, you bent up the cable and now it's not working as well anymore. I, those things really do make a big difference. And it doesn't seem like they should, but it is amazing that it does. Yeah. And another thing is that, you know, before you upgrade, let's say you have something already that you're using, make sure that you need it, right? Make sure that you know your device inside and out yeah. to make sure that you're getting the most out of it because you could just be, once again, running around in circles, spending money for a new device mm -hmm. when it's not even going to get you the outcome that you want. Another example that these cameras that connect via USB and give you a lower quality signal. So mm -hmm. I personally have the ZV-1F. It's mm -hmm. the fixed lens entry level camera from Sony. And mm -hmm. even though it records in 4K30 and gives you a really good image, actually, if you were to connect it via USB-C as a webcam, it's going to be downgraded to 720. 
So mm-hmm. that image is not going to be as crisp as the 4K and you might be feeling a bit loss of like, why am I not getting the image that I was promised? Right. And if you were to go into Ecamm or something else, it will show you like you're only getting 720p. And that's when you would have to maximize from like those HDMI connections to get the most out of that camera. And those are those little nuances that I say, make sure you know your camera and your equipment the best. Because somebody yeah. might be disappointed in this camera saying, it said it had 4K, yet I'm only getting 720 if you don't know how to get that image out of the camera. Yeah. And the one thing I will add to it, I guess, that I hadn't really been super aware of, but it is possible to rent cameras as well or borrow them from a friend or a contact if you make some friends, whether it's in the you know Ecamm community or join a local photography or camera club and see if you can borrow or test out someone's camera. These are big investments. Like it is not a small amount of money for many people who are doing this as, you know, either a hobby or it's in addition to their full-time job. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with testing and borrowing and playing around with it and see if it really works before you make that large investment. And Paul is adding, which is like, should be the most obvious thing, but something none of us do is Read the manual. And if you don't want to read the manual, there's probably like a video version of the manual, but go through the features of the camera and and test and play and try it all out before it's your most important podcast episode ever, before it's like the most important live stream you've ever done. You really want to spend that time actually getting to know your device before something big or important is riding on it, because you may think you know how it all works, but you probably don't, or there's probably some cool features in there that you actually might be able to take advantage of. (laughs) Doc says, say it again, Paul, reading the manual will help you a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Say it for the people in the back. Say it for the people in the back. Yeah. And I'm so guilty of this. Although I will say I've gotten really good. I've memorized now Monty Weaver, who's an incredible um, creator out there (laughs) in the space. Shout out to Monty. I think I've said this probably a ton of times about now, but I have his video like saved, bookmarked, and I probably watched it maybe a hundred times at this point of like, how to use your Sony a6400 camera for live streaming. (laughs) And he like goes through each of the settings and every single time I literally like I pause it, I look at like the the back of it, I look at the back of my camera in the menu, I click down so mine match his. And like, I don't need to understand the nuances and the details of every single thing. I just know that when I follow that video, and I put things back into those settings, it gets me the look and feel that I want and gets me close enough that then I can take it from there. So I probably should have it memorized. I have a lot of it memorized, but I don't have all of it. I've been playing with the idea of just printing out screenshots of it to, to stick up so that I have it or, you know, I can save it into the camera. But, um, yep. but yeah, you know. And I use gaff tape right now as like my new post-it <laughs> notes. So yeah. I have like little gaff tape things with little notes and the, the resolution sizes whenever I'm going vertical or something like that. And I was like, what was that number again? You know, it was like, oh yeah, yeah 2160, that's the number, you know, and I just have them <laughs> written around everywhere. So yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. And uh, Doc is saying, which again, is another yes. great point, like learn your exposure triangle. Even if you think you know what you're doing, try it, try it, try it, try it again. Like make sure you really have that down. These amazing shots come from, again, a camera doesn't even have to be the best camera. A camera, really good lighting. Lighting is almost, if not more important than the camera you have. And understanding positioning, the, that exposure triangle, where things are sitting in your room, understanding the basic principles of photography is going to help your video podcast 
look better. Should be really obvious, but I feel like we all put that to the back burner because we're so excited by the cool tech and how everything looks. You need to know how you want it to look and you need to know some of those basics in order to really accomplish what you're what you're setting out to do. And Doc Rock also mentioned something else that's very important. And this not only goes for cameras, but anything that you might have an interest in is learn the basic vocabulary, right? Oh, yeah. Because like he was just referencing white balance, aperture, you know, shutter speed and different things like that. These are things that are the terms that are used within the photography and videography world. So yeah. once you have the understanding of what those basic terms mean, it's going to lead you to understand just the conversations that people are having around these devices so that you can, like I always say, upgrade your skills. And once mm-hmm. you upgrade your skills, you have that ability. And I say that literally about everything because I <laughs> spoke to my cousin one time about this, that he knew everything to do about AC repair. He just didn't have his license because he was unfamiliar with the terminology. And his father being an AC repairman, I told him, I was like, you know what? If we were talking football and somebody were to say, like, run a post pattern, you know exactly what I'm talking about (laughs) because you're familiar with those terms when it comes to football. But someone who's never heard of that will look at you with a blank stare in their face because they've never heard the term. Yet, if you familiarize yourself with the terms of the industry or whatever it is that you're interested in, you'll see that that would be like the biggest stepping stone to learning more about it and upgrading your skills in whatever you do. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like knowing those terms, even if you don't yet fully understand what they mean, is going to help you look them up. (laughs) It's really hard to get help, whether that's to a person or looking it up online or looking for a video if you don't know what those terms are. So yeah, I think that's hugely, hugely important. It feels, yeah, it feels like learning a whole new trade. It takes work. Yeah, it's going to take work. It's going to take time. Like everything else that we've been saying, it's iterative. So it's steps. So like me, you might start with one thing that's simple, manageable, master it, see how it's working for you, then move to the next thing. So, you know, obviously the webcams and kind of those, you know, more affordable, easier to use cameras, they're simpler, right? They're much simpler than a mirrorless camera is. So start there and get a good feel for it. Understand like some of those basics with those ones and then move up to something that is more expensive because it, it does. It takes time. It takes time and practice or it's lower quality. <laughs> you could just wing it and not know any of the stuff, but you're not going to look fantastic. You can learn on the fly. You can always learn on the fly, but I think it's a better process to at least know the basics and the terminology. Then you can get a little bit better every single time. But I think just jumping in and learning on the fly is not going to be a good feeling for anyone. We did it. We did it. I know. I kept trying to end you early, but you had great feedback. (laughs) (laughs) But another thing that we did is that we actually answered all the questions. So I just checked and it doesn't seem like there's anything else there. So we're good to go. So now you just need to let everyone know how to listen to us. (laughs) My goodness. So if you are not here hanging out with us today in the live studio audience, you can always join us. We stream as we are recording. So we're very, very good at at our workflow. We stream as we're recording. We do it every single Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern here on YouTube. You can find it and join that live studio audience or catch the replay and drop your questions in there. You can also listen to us, as Doc says, wherever your podcast getting is got. 
We are on all of the platforms, including YouTube Music, which now has podcasts. You can find all of that and see all of our episodes and information at flow.ecam.com. And make sure that you leave us a review. We'd really love some more reviews and share with a friend if you find this information helpful. It is so, so, so appreciated. This episode and all of them have been brought to you by our friends at Descript. It is just one of our all-time favorite tools. It makes it super easy for us to do some of that lightweight editing, grab our transcription, clip our video clips so that we can share and get all that content out to you faster and more efficiently. So if you haven't checked them out yet, you can learn more at descript.com. From all of us here, from Luis and from me and from Doc, who is cheering for Manchester United today. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And we will see you next week on The Flow. All right. Flow Riders, out. Out. Calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again. It's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yeah, we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? (laughs) I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course, your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this.